Hey everyone, welcome to Hub City Church. We are ordinary people following an extraordinary God together. If you want more information about Hub City Church, find us online at thehubcitychurch.com connect and fill out our digital connect card. Now let's dive into this week's message. So this week we are pausing our rhythm series and we're going to hear from a guest speaker. And then next week we'll jump back in. But for this week, our scripture is Judges 6, 1 through 18. Um, it's going to be up on the screen or you can follow along in your Bibles. Again, the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord. And for seven years, he gave them to the hands of the Midianites. Because the power of the Midian was so oppressive, the Israelites prepared shelters for themselves in mountain clefts, caves, and strongholds. Whenever the Israelites planted their crops, the Midianites, Amalekites, and other eastern peoples invaded the country. They camped on the land and ruined the crops all, all the way to Gaza. It did not spare a living thing for Israel. Neither did sheep, neither sheep nor cattle nor donkeys. They came up with their livestock and and their tents like swarms of locusts. It was impossible to count the men and their camels. They invaded the land to ravage it. Midian was so impoverished, so, so impoverished the Israelites that they cried out to the Lord for help. When the Israelites cried to the Lord because of Midian, he sent them a prophet who said, this is what the Lord of God of Israel says. I brought you up out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. I snatched you from the power of Egypt and from the hand of all your oppressors. I drove them from before you and gave you, gave you their land. I said to you, I am your, the Lord your God. Do not worship the gods of the Amorites in whose land you live, but you have not listened to me. The angel of the Lord came and sat down under the oak of the Ophrah that belonged to Josh the Abizarite, where his son Gideon was threshing wheat in a wine press to keep it from the Midianites. When the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. But sir, Gideon replied, if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? Where are all his wonders that our fathers told us about when they said, did not our Lord bring us out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and put us into the hand of Midian. The Lord turned to him and said, go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hands. Am I not sending you? But Lord, Gideon said, how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in the Messina, and I am the least in my family. The Lord asked, I, the Lord answered, I will be with you and you will strike down all the Midianites together. Gideon replied, now if I have found favor in your eyes, give me a sign that it is really you talking to me. Please do not go away until I come back and bring my offering and set it before you. And the Lord said, I will wait until you return. This is the word of the Lord. Good work. Nicely done. 18 verses, everybody. Give her a hand for that. And not an easy 18 verses. There were a lot of Midianites and Manassas and all of that, right? Every time she said Midianites, did you drink your coffee? Yeah? You'd be going to the restroom real quick if you did. That was in there a lot. Thanks, Reed. Uh, well, I'm going to welcome up our, our guest speaker today. He is our next-gen coordinator for our Foursquare District up here, which covers quite a few states uh, up in the Northwest, Washington, Alaska, Oregon, Idaho, Montana, North Dakota, a little bit of Wyoming, all of Wyoming, 
never mind, excuse me. And, uh, and is a co-worker with my wife, April, who also works for the district and uh, of Foursquare. So uh, Reed Sowell is here with us today to share out of Gideon's story. And, uh, but before we jump into that, I thought, let's get to know Reed. Can we get to know Reed a little bit? Yeah, we're excited. Can you hear the excitement? They're excited. After your answers, they'll be much more excited. All right. So uh, let's see, Reed, uh, you're married and you've got kids. Tell us yes. about your wife. Yes, that's my family right there. That's actually us yesterday. That's a fresh picture. We're, we're at Deception Pass. You guys recognize that bridge? Anyone been on that bridge before? It's very sketchy. Very, very sketchy. Uh, that's my wife, Victoria. Uh, she's a kids pastor at a Foursquare church in Snohomish. She's a kids and family pastor. And then that's my daughter in the pink shirt. That is River. And then I'm holding Ruby up top. So River's four and Ruby is one and a half. River and Ruby. Yeah. And is your wife wearing a Taylor Swift shirt there? She is. Did she, she go to the she, earthquake yeah. of a concert? She was a part of Night 2 Earthquake uh, down at Lumen Field. Uh, oh, man. She, she's a Swifty. She's a Swifty, man. She's a Swifty. Uh, quick, Just shake it off, everybody. Just shake it off. <laughs> quick testimony. Um, I, went, I went to a concert, and she was like, man, I'm so happy for you. It wasn't Taylor Swift. It was a different one. Okay. And uh, she goes, she was praying, and she's like, God, I'm so happy my husband went to a concert. Could I go to a concert? One of those prayers where you're like, I don't know if I can ask God for that. Like, is that allowed? And uh, a friend said, hey, I have an extra ticket to Taylor Swift. Do you want to go? And she was like, yes, I want to go, and God is real. So See? Second Corinthians 9, baby. We that's just what I'm saying, it. man. That's yeah, what I'm saying. Second Corinthians 9. So she went to the Eras tour. She loved it. Oh, man. Yeah. It's Eras, not Eras. I, I don't know. I, I, don't I just know, read man. it. I don't know anything yeah. about Swifties. All right. Reed, where did you grow up? Uh, I grew up in a city called Downey. So it's about 15 miles east of Los Angeles. Okay. So Southern California. Nice. Yeah. And what brought you up here? Uh, so, uh, like Pastor Sean mentioned, I am the next-gen coordinator in the Northwest District. So, a couple years ago, that opportunity opened up in Foursquare. So, we moved our whole family up. We just had River at that time. Uh, Ruby was born here in Washington. But All that right. was it. That's what brought me up. All right. Uh, you're in the Northwest, so what is your favorite coffee drink? What is your drink of choice? Man, um, I'm a cold brew guy. So, I just like black cold brew. Um, there's a spot close to where we live. It's called Visible. Okay. And they put a little bit of honey and a little bit of cinnamon in the cold brew. And I'm, I'm down for that. You got an amen over there from somebody. Amen. Yes. Someone's like. They like that. See, I told yeah. you, they're warming up. Yeah. They're warming up. Just go. like the temperature in this room right now. <laughs> All right. Uh, favorite place for a burger, Reed? Hit me. Favorite place, Southern California. I'm an In-N-Out guy. Oh. I absolutely love In-N-Out. Uh, up here in Washington, I think it's probably Pilchuck. 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 Okay. And then there's another spot, King Charlie's. King Charlie's. You got another amen, but it's it was more amen. of a silent amen. I think it's really hard to mess up a burger. Like, I'm also down for McDonald's. Well, we'll see this afternoon. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see what happens. They're going to do great today. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Landmark you'd like to visit someday. Oh, that's a good one. A landmark I would like to Famous visit. landmark. Um... I went to the Grand Canyon when I was a kid. I'd really like to go back. Um, you oh, can ride. Like to revisit. Yeah, okay. you can ride horses down and like ride in the canyon. I think that'd be really cool. Okay. 
All right. Yeah. Person in the Bible you'd love to have coffee with other than Jesus. Other than Jesus. And they say These coffee because are... we have the book of Hebrews. So you know that coffee is biblical. Right. These are good questions. And I didn't have time to prep. I know. It's rapid fire. Rapid fire. You're next gen. You're youth. You're young. Your brain is spry. Coffee you'd like. Coffee, coffee old, you'd man. like to drink with. Um, coffee with Bible person. Let's go Noah. Noah. All right. All right. I hear he puts a lot of water down coffee, though. Uh, do you like the hot weather or the cold weather? Um, hot. Hot. Cats or dogs? Dogs. <laughs> Most dogs. used emoji in your text. Oh, I, don't wanna, I don't need the evidence. You just tell me. Um, it's probably the sunglasses happy face. The sunglasses happy face. Yeah. All right. There you go. Uh, classic movie you've never seen, but everybody makes you feel guilty for not seeing it. Like if you've not seen The Godfather or oh, I've seen Citizen Kane. I've never seen Citizen Kane. You're not missing anything. Okay. Right on. Right on. <laughs> cool. Uh, and w lastly, what do you love about Next Gen? What I love about Next Gen. Um, Next Gen, for those that don't know, is like kids, high school, and college age. Yep. Yeah. Kids, youth, and young adults. I love, um, I love seeing that the future of the church is vibrant. Uh, I think a lot of times when we look at young people, if your only context with young people is what you see on the news or what you hear about on TikTok or Instagram, you can have a bit of a skewed perspective mm -hmm. towards young people. But when you are in a room with them and they're talking about how they interact with Jesus and you watch them worship and you worship with them, it is so, so powerful and so cool and really gives me hope that um, the church that God is building, not the building, the people that he is raising up, uh, we have a really vibrant future out awesome. of us and we're gonna get a lot more people to love Jesus. Awesome. So I love that. Great, great. Everybody, would you give a hand to Pastor Reed as awesome. he shares today? Thank you, Pastor Sean. Appreciate that. Well, yeah, let's jump in. Thank you so much for reading that scripture. I don't have to read all of those names because you already did it for me. Uh, that was really awesome. Let me give you just a little bit of context uh, about the book of Judges. Um, so the Judges is a really interesting time for the Israelites. This is before the monarchy. So there is not yet a king in Israel and it's like a, a cyclical cycle for this nation. And it's not really a good one. They kind of keep finding themselves falling into some, some patterns. And it basically goes like this. Uh, the nation of Israel, they will rebel against God. They'll start worshiping different gods. They have different idols. And then uh, God will allow a foreign nation to come in and invade them. We just heard about the Midianites here with Gideon. And so what happens is then the Israelites will become desperate they will start crying out to God again, and then uh, a judge will be raised up. God will listen to their cries. He will raise up a judge that will come in and rally the troops, and they drive out these foreign invaders. And then much like us, when the Israelites start to get a little bit comfortable, they start to forget about the Lord. They don't take their faith as seriously. They start to fall away, start to get caught up in all of this different stuff, and then what happens Another foreign nation comes in and invades them, and then they cry out to God again. Repeat, repeat, repeat. Uh, there's a few judges you might have heard of. You just heard about Gideon. Maybe you've heard of Samson. He's a very famous judge. Uh, really crazy guy. Did a lot of really crazy things, but still used by God to do incredible things. 
Um, there's an, uh, a, a judge named Deborah. Shout out to the ladies. We got a lady judge in the Old Testament. I think that's cool. What I love about the judges is that all of them are very complex people. They have many character flaws, but yet all of them are used by God to do mighty and powerful things. I don't know about you. I don't know what it's like when you're reading scripture, but I love to put myself in the story, and I love to imagine what would, how would I respond if I was like Gideon, or how would I feel if I was like one of these Israelites in the story at this time? And sometimes when I'm reading scripture, I can sit back, and I can just be like, guys, when are you gonna get it? Like, are we gonna keep falling into these cycles? Can't you just get it together? And then I, I, I sit back, and you know, I'm all judgmental about, you know, these Israelites, and then I examine my own life, and I just go, man, I'm kind of exactly the same. <laughs> like, I fall into all of these different patterns with the Lord where I know how I should be living, and yet I deviate from God's best for my life. Um, and so the thing that I'm grateful for that I see in the judges and that I see in Gideon is that if God can use Gideon, he can use anyone. If God can use Samson, he can use anyone. And if God can use me, he sure can use anyone. My hope today as we unpack the story of Gideon is that it'll give you a little bit more encouragement and a little bit more confidence as you walk out this Christian faith with God. Um, because it's, there's highs and lows. Uh, I don't know everything that's going on in your life, but I know that it isn't always awesome. I know that you go through challenges, like real, real difficulties. And what I love about this story is that it shows us that we can kind of have a little bit of a back and forth with God. We can be super real and super honest with the Lord, and he meets us exactly where we're at. So my hope, again, at the end of this, that you have a little bit more confidence as you walk out. Can I give you some homework? All right. It's really easy. Uh, finish the story of Gideon. So it's Judges chapter six, seven, and eight. You can read it in five minutes. Maybe read it a few times this week. Um, but begin to take note of all of the ways that God shows up in Gideon's life to show that he is real, that he is the one moving through them. Again, these judges, Gideon, he is a complex character. And so as we jump into this, I have to ask a question this morning. Has anyone ever threshed wheat before? Anyone at all? Yes. Congratulations. I knew being out here, I'm driving through the valley getting out here. I'm like, maybe there's someone that'll be familiar with this. Uh, I, where we live, we live in Everett, but it's kind of right where Everett and Mill Creek and Snohomish all come together. So a lot of times I'm driving through Snohomish and there's farmland everywhere. And so I was thinking about this and contemplating this. Again, you just heard I grew up in Los Angeles. Maybe you can tell by the way I'm dressed, I am not a farmer, okay? That is not my forte. I did not grow up with that, with that kind of life. Um, but again, when we read about Gideon, he is threshing wheat in a wine press. And so let me tell you just a little bit about how they would thresh wheat back in Gideon's day. You would need a big, wide open space. And the whole point is to separate the grain at the top from the rest of the stem and the leaf. And so what they would do is a lot of times they would take the harvest and they would, they would spread it out on the floor really big. And a lot of times they would get cattle to kind of stomp on the wheat a little bit to help in that process, to separate it from the stem and the leaf. Then what they would do, again, you'd need a big wide open space and they would pick it all up and they would throw it up in the air and on a nice windy day, the parts that you didn't want 
would get blown away in the wind and all of the grain would fall down at your feet and it would be easier to pick it up. Gideon is not doing any of that. What did the scripture say? He is threshing wheat and a wine press. That's a, a very small, tight space. It's kind of underground. There's a big rock in this thing that you're rolling around. And a, a wine press is a terrible place to thresh wheat. Absolutely terrible. Gideon is so terrified that he is down in this dark wine press. I imagine it at nighttime. I also imagine, because you know I have two young girls, everything filters through my brain in Pixar movies. It's just kind of where I'm at. So for me, it's helpful to think of A Bug's Life. You guys remember that one with the ants and the grasshoppers? And they're piling up that big harvest and the grasshopper like kicks his way into like the anthill. That's what I'm imagining here. These oppressive people, these oppressive grasshoppers on the ants, right? And Gideon is, is super terrified. He's down in this wine press. There's no other use for the wine press. There's no grapes, right? That harvest has been completely destroyed. There's no use for wine. There's nothing to celebrate. And so Gideon is terrified down in this dark room trying to provide food for his family. And yet even in this moment, this dark and low moment, God shows up. And in the same way, I wanna remind you that God is with you in your darkest and lowest moments. Now, if you've been in church for a while, that's a statement you've probably heard before. And I hope that the truth of that and the real impact of that um, is still meaningful this morning. That even in our darkest and lowest moments, God is with us. Again, I, I, I don't know what your story is like. Maybe those dark and low moments are in your past and you carry around some of that weight, some of that baggage. We all kind of do that. Maybe this morning you're like, I'm in it right now. Like my life outside of these four walls, I'm in a dark and a low time this morning. I want you to know wherever you're at that God is with you. And again, I hope that, that the simplicity of that statement is still impactful. If you were in a dark and low moment in your past, um, you know, even if you didn't feel like the Lord was with you, he was 100% with you. And you might be wondering, um, man, if God was with me in that, in that moment, why did all of that stuff happen? Why did I have to go through all of that? Why did those bad things happen? And, and simply put, it's because the world is messed up. You know, we live in a broken and a, a fallen world, and there's nothing that sin hasn't touched. Or to put it a different way, sin has altered every aspect of our life. But God loves us so much, this is the gospel, right? That he sent Jesus to repair all of that. That Jesus would get down with us in our darkness, in our mess. We didn't have to clean everything up before we came to God. Isn't that good news? We didn't have to like be perfect and holy before we connected with God because we never could. We had this perfect savior that God sent to do that for us. So whatever you've faced or whatever you're facing, Again, God is with you, and the whole point of church, not the building, but the people, this community that we talked about, the whole point is to link arms, and as we go through those valleys with each other, we know that we're not alone, and we're reminding each other that God is with us, and that he is for us, and he has a plan for us. 
Another interesting thing happens in verse 12. The angel of the Lord calls Gideon a mighty warrior. And depending on the version that you're reading, uh, it's really quick, important to note the difference between the angel of the Lord and an angel of the Lord. So sometimes when you're reading scripture, it'll say an angel of the Lord showed up. That's, I don't know, your generic everyday kind of angel, right? But then when you read the angel of the Lord, a lot of scholars think that this is actually the pre-incarnate Jesus that shows up. So you can ask Pastor Sean if he actually believes all this stuff, but what I have learned and what I have studied is that this is actually Jesus. Before he came to earth through Mary, this is Jesus showing up in Gideon's life as the angel of the Lord. And Jesus says to Gideon, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior." What an ironic statement, right? Gideon is terrified. He's not doing anything mighty. He is not a warrior yet. He's terrified. He's hiding out. And so why does Jesus say this? Why does Jesus show up and call him mighty warrior? I think it's because God looks beyond who you are and into who you're becoming. And I'm so grateful for that truth this morning. Could you imagine if Jesus showed up to Gideon and started like speaking some truth to him? Like, hey, what's up, Gideon? Boy, you sure are scared down here. What's wrong with you? Don't you trust me? And of course, Jesus doesn't do that because Jesus is kind and compassionate, but that would have been true. That was what actually was happening in that moment. If Jesus doesn't do that to Gideon, if he doesn't, if he looks into who he's becoming, he's gonna do that same thing with us. Jesus doesn't look at all of the things that disqualify us, all of the things that hold us back, all of the things that we are afraid of and terrified of. He doesn't identify us by our failures and shortcomings. And I think some of us here this morning, if we're being honest, maybe you've been identifying a little bit too much with your failures, with your shortcomings. And it's really easy to do it. I know I've been there. Um, some of those things that we've done, that we've been through, it's so plain. It's so evident to us. And, you know, God does see our failures. He is fully aware of all of the things in our life that we are ashamed, ashamed of. But he doesn't identify us by those things. I heard a preacher one time say, the devil knows your name and calls you by your sin, but God knows your sin and calls you by your name. And I think that's so important for us to remember. I think that if we are so hung up by the things that are in our past, we will never fully be able to step into the things that God has in our future. And so we may not feel like a mighty warrior. Gideon did not feel like a mighty warrior, but that's how God saw him. And I think the work of us as Christians is to work with Jesus, with the Holy Spirit, to begin to see the things that God has deposited in us, those mighty warrior tendencies that we have yet to step into. I wanna say again, God looks beyond who you are and who you've been, and it's time for us to do that same thing. We are so much more than our past regrets and mistakes. Thank you, Jesus, I'm grateful for that. Because again, it's so easy for me to get hung up on all of that. As we continue reading in verses 13 and 14, um, we can put those back up. Here's what it says. Uh, Pardon me, my Lord. This is Gideon, right? Okay, remember, Jesus is with him 
in a wine press. I don't know what he looks like. Maybe there's a halo. Maybe he's radiant. Maybe he's glowing. Maybe he just looks like a regular guy. I don't know, but it's Jesus. And Gideon says, pardon me, my Lord, but if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? Where are all his wonders that our ancestors told us about? So Gideon is essentially saying to Jesus, hey, it's cool that you're here and stuff, but like, where have you been? <laughs> and I don't know about you, but if I'm having this interaction with Jesus, I don't know if that's gonna be what I say to him. I don't know if I would bow. I don't know like what I would do. But I think this response from Gideon is super raw and it's super real. It's really honest and it's where he was at. And though I've never had a physical representation of Jesus show up in my room, I've had similar encounters, like the one that Gideon had, where I've felt the Lord speaking things to me. I've, I've had visions for my future. I've, I've been able to pray, and I've been in worship services and had leaders say things about you know, the plan that God had for my life. I've seen a vision of my purpose and my destiny. Maybe you've had similar moments. Maybe it was while you were reading scripture, you got a vision of what your life could be. And maybe someone here at this church, you've had a pastor or a leader speak things out into your life about the plan that God has for you. Maybe you and your spouse, you've prayed and you've dreamed together. You've, you've come out of so much, right? Your past is so heavy and you're working so hard to build a life together in the Lord. Again, I've had those moments in my life, but like Gideon, I still have doubts. I still have questions. and I have things that I wrestle out with God. The thing that I love about this scripture is Gideon helps us understand that God can handle your doubts and your questions about your future. He can handle it. Did you know that there's nothing you can't say to God? I think that's really interesting. To put it another way, you can say anything to God. <laughs> he can handle it. He can hang. Gideon is speaking directly to Jesus himself, says, where have you been and what took you so long? And he didn't get zapped by lightning. That's pretty cool, and that gives me a little bit of hope. That these things that I, I, I feel inside when I'm when I'm stressed and when I'm overwhelmed and when I'm wondering where God is at in my life, I don't have to sugarcoat it. And of course I love God, I'm like honoring and I'm reverent, but I don't have to pretend to be someone that I'm not. And I, I hope that's encouraging for you this morning to know that you can just be real with God. I think maybe some of us here this morning, uh, you've yet to step into that fullness of what God has for you. You've made some progress, but you aren't fully there. Those things, those visions that you have for your life. And maybe you're asking, God, what's taking so long and where are you? Again, I wanna say it's okay. Like God can handle those questions. But I also wanna ask you, what are you doing while you are asking those questions? Are you going in the strength that you have? Because verse 14 shows us that that was Jesus' response to Gideon. He says, I'm with you. Go in the strength that you have. And that's one of the things that we are challenged with as Christians here in Washington in, in 2023. Is there are so many questions. There's so many doubts. Everywhere we look, it seems 
like society is crazier than it was before. And we're like, how is that possible? I thought 2016 was as crazy as it could get. <laughs> and here we are today. We have so many questions and we have so many doubts and we have all of these things that we're wrestling with and yet we're encouraged, go in the strength that you have and it's not your own strength. That's the beautiful thing about being a Jesus follower is we don't have to rely on our own strength. We have the power of the Holy Spirit living in us that empowers us to take that step. Even in the midst of our doubts, we're empowered to walk by faith and not by sight. I don't know about you, um, it's really easy for me to look at the things that I have in my past or even the things that I have in my present and just feel really overwhelmed by being the person that carries the love of God to the world around us. Because that's the thing that we've been tasked with. We are God's plan A to love this community, to love this world, to show people that Jesus is real. And when I think about that, I'm like, man, God, you are real, you are perfect, you are holy, and I am so not perfect, and I'm so not holy. And Gideon feels the same way in verses 15 and 16. The angel of the Lord tells him that he's going to defeat the Midianites and save Israel. What's his response? He says, again, pardon me, how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my family. Basically, he's saying, I'm no good and neither is my family. <laughs> I'm a nobody. I come from a long line of nobodies. And Jesus says, I will be with you and you will strike them down. Such a cool response. And I'm grateful for this truth. God is with you when you feel unqualified. I heard another preacher say one time, maybe it was the same one, I don't know, that God doesn't call the qualified, he qualifies the called. And so if God has called you to a life to do a certain thing, that, that calling on your life from the Lord is the, all the qualification that you need. And I think that's really counterintuitive to society because we work so hard to have all of these qualifications and all of these things first. But you don't have to get your act together to be used by God first. It's as we take those steps of faith that God begins to show up in our life. God has been using broken and messed up people to carry out his mission for a really long time. And I'm so grateful for that. You know, when I first um, felt this calling to be a pastor, to step into ministry, I had absolutely no idea what that meant. And it was at a really interesting time in my life where I had lots and lots of doubts and questions about God. Um, I was kind of attending church. Uh, I had a lot of church hurt. I had a lot of people that represented God, do a lot of things that I didn't think were very godly. Um, there's all kinds of stuff going on in my family. I was just in this really like raw and vulnerable place. And so I happened to be in church this Sunday and I just had this like, incredible experience during worship. And I, I heard the closest thing that I've ever heard to the audible voice of God. Um, and it was just something like I felt like in my spirit. My wife and I say, you know it in your knower. I know that's kind of like, you know, 
what does that mean? But like I just knew, like I just felt it. And I heard God say something very close to like, hey, Reed, I know you've been wandering for a long time, but I've never lost you. And it's time to come back to Jesus. And if Jesus is the most important thing in your life, I want you to spend the rest of your life telling people about him. I had no idea what that meant. But in kind of wrestling that out over the next few weeks, I would like just listed all of the things out to God that like unqualified me. I was like, God, I don't even, like I hear you right now, but like I've been wondering if you're like real for the past couple years. Um, like God, I, I, it was in a time in my life where I had just graduated college. My degree had absolutely nothing to do with ministry. So I was like, okay, God, what were those last four and a half years for? Because I did the extra like bonus semester. And uh, it was just a really um, raw and interesting time in my life. I had um, significant like public speaking anxiety. I would get all sweaty and I would get all nervous. And I'm like, God, I don't, I don't even like talking to people like regular. Like how am I going to like doing it on a stage? You know what I mean? Like just these really like honest times with the Lord. And the thing that I've learned over my life following God is that being used by him has very, very, very little to do with my own qualifications and the things that I bring to the table. And it has absolutely everything to do with my obedience. And just saying, oh God, okay God, if, if this is something that I hear you saying, I'm just gonna take a step of faith. I don't like doing that, if I can just be real. <laughs> That verse tells us, right, we walk by faith and not by sight. I would much rather walk by sight. Anybody else? I would much rather have God give me the entire game plan and like for me to be able to plan out the next couple years. But that's just not how it is with the Lord. And the beautiful thing as we take these steps of faith and as Gideon took these steps of faith, his relationship and his closeness with God grew. And he had a healthy dependence on the Lord. So again, you know, you might be at a, at a place this summer where you're getting to, you know, you're getting ready to get back into the fall and life is going to be busy again and you'll have all of these different things. And as you're trying to take a, a step towards God, just like me, you're, you're super aware of that list of those disqualifications. I want to encourage you to go in the strength that you have, that even if you feel unqualified, God is with you in the middle of all of that. I wanna invite the band back up. We're gonna get ready to worship just as a response to this. But the last thing that I see in the story of Gideon, this is verses 17 and 18. God is patient with you as you follow him. Gideon, Gideon says, if now I have found favor in your eyes, give me a sign that it's really you. And if you know Gideon at all, this is kind of like his thing, like he loves to ask God for signs. But I'm reminded this morning and I'm reminded through Gideon that God is never looking down at us like with his arms crossed, like what's taking so long? God is never, you know, rolling his eyes at our lack of faith. He is only patient and only kind and only loving with us.
Would you all stand as we get ready to just recap and respond in worship a little bit? I want to take maybe a little bit of like an extended time just to open it up for response however you need to. There's going to be a few people at the back of the room uh, that can pray with you if you'd like some prayer. If you want to um, kneel or close your eyes or bow your head or journal, whatever you want to do in this time to respond to God, I, I just want to open up a space to do that. Gideon, Gideon does indeed become a mighty warrior. His, his story is absolutely amazing. The things that God does through this man because of his obedience are incredible. And there's a few times where God says, I, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna make your army smaller so that they know that it's really me. And I'm so encouraged about that because again, we're looking at the call of Gideon where he's not a mighty warrior. And that's how God shows up and speaks directly to him. And I think the same is true for us this morning, that regardless of how we feel, that in Jesus, we are mighty warriors. Mighty, mighty to witness to our coworker and tell him that Jesus loves him. Mighty at school, when we're facing all of those different things that are coming our way, we have the power of the Holy Spirit that helps us to get through that. So in this time, I would, I, I would want you to reflect on this question. What is the mighty thing that God is calling you to do? And again, I'm not imagining that you're going to lead an entire army into battle. That's not, you know, that was Gideon. But what's the mighty thing that God is calling you to do? Is it witnessing to your coworker? Is it having patience with your kids? Let's just be real. That takes an act of God sometimes, and that's okay. Is it showing love and patience to your spouse when they're being difficult? What is the thing, the mighty thing that God would be calling you to do? I'm gonna pray for us in a second, but as we worship, would you begin to just unpack that with the Lord? We hope you were encouraged by today's message. If you wanna take your next step in following Jesus, fill out the digital connect card at thehubcitychurch.com connect. We'd love to celebrate what Jesus is doing in your life.